Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. I know that y'all were praying for us uh, while we were in Israel over the last 10 days, and uh, just so thankful for your prayers. We had a wonderful time. <clears throat> a lot of our members said that they... Uh, they said that when I say there's not that much walking, there's a lot more walking uh, than what I tell them. So just know if you ever go to Israel with us, you're going to walk about five, uh, six miles a day. Uh, so there's a little bit of walking. But we had a wonderful time. <clears throat> My voice is not quite there today, so I do apologize for that. Uh, but that's just part of travel. We also had some of them that are still saying, David, I don't know what day or time it is. So uh, we'll be praying for the people as they have come back. I've got a few announcements for you. Alaska encouragement cards are due by next Sunday. There is a uh, mailbox in the back that you can, at the go table, if you would like to write a card to some of our members. Uh, we've got quite a few that are going. I think it's 38. And so you don't have to write one to every single person, but you can write one to those that uh, the Lord puts on your heart. We'd love to give those to them each day on the mission trip. Also, today, right after worship here in the auditorium, uh, there will be a Zambia interest meeting for July of next year. So if you are interested, uh, you don't have to sign up. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're definitely going, but you can come and get more information as uh, we take, uh, we're going to be leading that group in next, next uh, summer. I think I still have some jet lag. Uh, <clears throat> but I do want to share with you all that Brother Archie uh, went to be with the Lord this past week, 103 years old, and or as many people said, 103 years young. Uh, he was just a month and a half from his 104th birthday. And so be praying for the family. The visitation will be at 10 o'clock on Thursday here, and then the celebration of life will be at 11 o'clock on Thursday. Love for you to come and be a part of that. Also want to share with you that usually uh, when, when people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, we have baptism right up here. But there were two that were with us on the Israel trip that had not been baptized after profession of faith. And so we're going to show those videos to you right now. One of which was my son Samuel. And so just rejoicing in his profession of faith. And so we're going to see uh, Samuel and Kinsley. Uh, and their baptism. So let's go to the screens. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Sam, it's upon your confession that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ unto death, and raised to walk. Submit it to his lordship. Amen. your confession that I baptize you, my sister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ unto death. Wow. Uh, what a 
way to be baptized, you know, uh, in the same exact river that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And he did that as an example for us. And uh, today, it, let's, let's go ahead and celebrate them one more time. Would you clap for them one more time? We're so excited for that. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, you gave us an example of all things. You lived a perfect life. You died uh, a death that we deserved. You were laid in a tomb. And you rose on the third day. Lord, you are our example in every situation. Lord, we pray that we would lead like you. That we would serve and not be served. That we would see people the way that you see them. And know that we can rest in your authority and praise. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we look to Ephesians 2, 4 where it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We serve a God that does what we thought was impossible. You heal the brokenhearted. You set the captive free. You lift a heavy
Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Would you stand and welcome someone around you to Luke 418 Fellowship? Today we praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Majesty, the one who is our Messiah, our Savior of the world today. And we give him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor as we worship together as the body of Christ. Let's sing this today. Let's sing Majesty. Majesty, worship His majesty, unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority. our battles for us as we pray to him as we fight on our knees let's sing together when all i see is the battle you see my victory when all i see is a mountain you see the mountain move and as i walk through the shadows your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle. for me who can be against me for Jesus there's nothing impossible for you Bye. 
before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Singing this morning. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. as we continue in worship. Today we're focusing on Jesus' authority, that everything is under his feet. Everything was made by him and for him. What an awesome, what a mighty God we serve today. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love our God is an awesome God our God is an awesome God he reigns from heaven above with wisdom power love our God is an awesome God our God is an awesome God he reigns from heaven above with wisdom power Love our God is an awesome God. Sometimes I, I don't think we realize just how awesome and just how great He is. Sometimes God feels a little bit far off, don't you think? But when we come together as the body of Christ, we magnify His name, we lift His name up, we get a glimpse of just how big He really is, right? So let's do that together today as we remind ourselves of the gospel story through this song. Let's magnify the name of the Lord. Let's make his name great today as Josh leads us. And I'll praise the name today. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. Would you sing with us? His body bound. His body bound. 
lion heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. Sing all I am. All I am is yours. All I am is yours. Let's pray together. Lord, the only response that we can think of in having such a holy and mighty God who saved us when we could not be saved by any other means but Jesus is to give you our everything, to stand, to not be ashamed of the gospel, but to take up our cross and follow you, to live by faith and not by sight because you love us. You are worthy today of our praise and one day we will see you face to face. We are looking and longing for that day, but until you come, we know there are good things that you have given to us to do as the family of God. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. I'm so thankful for Brother Aaron and how he leads us in singing and worship. You know, as, as those songs were, 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 as we sang just a minute ago, and we sang the song, Praise the Name, and, and I heard just about Jesus coming forth from the tomb. You know, I closed my eyes, and because we were just at the garden tomb and thinking of Jesus coming forth from that tomb. And then he, we, we sang about how he will return in, in robes of white, and I closed my eyes and thought of how it looks overlooking the valley of Armageddon. And you know, when, when you go to Israel and you see the places, you'll never read the Bible the same. Because when you read, you'll say, hey, I was there, I, I, I saw this. And, and <clears throat> though things may look a little bit different today, there are some places uh, that are very accurate to the day of Christ. And a lot of the topography is still the same. I do ask that you would pray for me as, as I preach today. As always, I'm desperately dependent on, upon Christ, desperately dependent on God to proclaim the truth of God's Word. Uh, today, I'm slightly under the weather with my throat, and so I just pray that as I make it through this and don't have jet lag. You know, I've been out of the country twice with Brother Randy, and both times I came back sick. So... There is a common theme there. Somebody told me maybe I don't need to go out of the country. And then they said, no, maybe you don't need to go out of the country with Brother Randy. Um, But today we're going to close and finish the Sermon on the Mount. We are uh, about one year into this. And we're going to read and see the last two verses here and kind of package it all up together today. I do ask today, I only only have two points, believe it or not. Just two. Somebody told me that nobody will be concerned over a short message. Um, But after the message today, I'm going to share with you about five minutes about some things that are going to take place in the month of July. And so after we finish today, I do want to have a time uh, to share with you. So I ask you, unless you have to leave, uh, stay around to hear what I'm going to share at the end. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. And just to remind you, Jesus has just said, Those who hear these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise builder, builds his house upon the rock. When the rains and wind and all that comes, he will stand. But those who hear these words of mine and do not act upon them is like a foolish builder. He builds upon the sand. And when the rain comes and the wind comes, it says, great is his fall. We shared last week that Jesus was talking about, yes, in life, there's going to be situations and difficulties. And those who are on the rock will stand. Those who are on the sand, it's shifting sand, right? And so they will fall. But he's ultimately talking about the final judgment that is to come. Remember, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, I did all these things. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Ultimately, they had built their house upon the sand and not upon the rock. It says this in verse 28 and 29 in conclusion. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray. Father, as we close this three chapters in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, I pray that that you would just wrap all this up in our heart, that we would walk in obedience of the truth. And Father, most of all, that your name would be glorified. Father, I pray that you would place me on the front row. And Lord, that I too would hear what you are speaking today 
and place this into my life and live in obedience of your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So there's two things here in this last little piece that I want us to see. And the first thing is, is the response or the reaction of the crowd. It says this in verse 28, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now, why were they amazed at his teaching? Well, he taught as one not like the scribes. He taught with one who had authority. But they were also amazed with that which he had spoken. So he, they were amazed with the fact that first he speaks of the gospel. Y'all remember the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Previous to this point, it was all about a religious act. They had to go and do the sacrifices. And Jesus is now saying that those who have a, that are poor in spirit, those who humble themselves, for theirs is the kingdom of God. See, Jesus is now speaking in some sense of this new covenant which would be poured out in his blood. Jesus also is teaching and proclaiming to them that when you receive Christ, when you are poor in spirit, that you will have a change in life. Your change is is that now you are the salt of the earth and light of the world. Think about this. Jesus is saying not only can, is salvation through being poor in spirit, recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah, trusting in him, coming to salvation in Christ, but when you come to know Christ, there will be a transformation in your life. You will now be salt in this world. Think about what salt does. We've talked about this over the period of time that we've taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Salt preserves decaying things. Salt also makes people what? Thirsty, right? Salt also heals wounds. Church, we must recognize that Jesus is saying to the people that when you come to know Christ, when there's salvation in your life, there will be a change in your life. You remember the book of Ephesians? We talked about how the first three chapters is all about the being in Christ. And the last three chapters is all about the doing in Christ. And that the being in Christ comes before the doing in Christ. What Jesus is saying here is that when you are in Christ, you become the salt and the light of the world. He also proclaimed to them the proper understanding of the law. Jesus said to them, you've heard it said. But I say to you, and he gives them this proper understanding. This proper understanding goes back to what? The heart. Truly the the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Jesus is now saying here, listen, you've heard that that there's just this legality of the law. You've heard the scribes and the Pharisees say that, that you've got to do this just right. And as long as you do this, you're okay over here. But I tell you that it's about the heart. I tell you that, that even if you lust in your heart that you've committed sin, even if you're angry in your heart, you've committed sin. And so Jesus is now giving this proper understanding. And then Jesus proclaims about the final judgment. Jesus proclaims in chapter 7 all about the fact that all of us will stand before the throne of God one day. And it won't be what we have done that allows us to come into the kingdom of God. 
It's going to be those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He speaks about how there's a narrow gate and a wide gate. He speaks and tells them that those who come in through the narrow gate follow a narrow path and that leads to life. Who is that narrow gate? Jesus speaks later. He says, I'm the gate. He says in John 14 that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the people were amazed. (coughs) Excuse me. The people were amazed at his teaching because he went so much further than what the scribes were telling them. The scribes were simply saying, do this and you'll be okay. Don't do that and you'll be okay. You know, sometimes... That's how we feel in the church. We hear that we're supposed to do this and not this. We're supposed to, to, to not, as I was a kid, I would always hear, don't drink, don't do drugs, don't do this. But see, we've got to get past just not doing this and doing this. We've got to say, we've got to, to be in Christ. We've got to abide and dwell in Him and let Christ through the Holy Spirit work in our lives. We see here that they're amazed at his teaching, but they're also amazed at his confidence. They're amazed at his confidence. It even says here in verse 29 that he was teaching as one with authority, one who has authority. Now, two times we see in this passage from Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that Jesus shows that authority. One, Jesus said in his understanding of the law, he said, you've heard it say, but I say. In that moment, he's saying that you've heard this understanding, this interpretation, but I'm telling you that I'm the authority. I'm the authority of the law. Listen, the same Jesus that was born to Mary in Genesis chapter 1 is the same God that was there in Genesis, I mean, in Genesis 1. This, let me go back. Jet lag. The same Jesus that was born to Mary in Matthew 1 is the same Jesus that was there in Genesis chapter 1 in the creation of all things. Church, Jesus spoke to them. Can you imagine? All these people have heard the scribes say that, hey, based on what Moses said and what Moses has done, this is the law. This is how you obey it. This is what you need to do. And Jesus says, you've heard it say, but I say to you, I'm telling you that because of who I am, I am the authority on this matter. And not only is he the authority on this matter, but he's the authority of all. Jesus also speaks with confidence when he shares with the people of his holiness. Think about in this passage in Matthew 5, 17. Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to what? Fulfill the law. Which means Jesus is saying that every piece of the law he will fulfill. Which means that he has lived a sinless life. He is speaking of his holiness. So here we have the people, they're amazed. They're like, well, this is incredible. 
Not only does he go deeper into all of these things from the gospel to the law to the final judgment to the transformation of life, but he's putting himself in a place of authority. He's showing that he is holy. He's showing that he is sinless. And so the people were amazed at this. But we must recognize that simply being amazed at Jesus' teaching doesn't bring us to salvation. Church, there's a lot of people as we travel throughout Israel that were amazed with the teachings of Jesus. There's a lot of people who would say Jesus is a great teacher. He's a good man. And his ways, the things that he says, some of those are good. But church, we must recognize that it goes so much further, as Jesus said, those who hear and act on them. Church, the, what we do with the word of God shows whether we truly believe that Jesus is the ultimate authority. What we do with his word, his word calls us to confess our sins. His word calls us to humble ourselves before him. His word calls us to believe and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. His word calls us to abide and dwell in the spirit so that we may bear good fruit. Church, the way that we live out according to the word of God shows whether we truly believe in the authority of Christ. And so we see in these two passages that the people were amazed at his teaching and the people were amazed at the authority that he proclaimed. And so what I want to do in closing of the Sermon on the Mount is I want to look at the authority of Christ. I want to look at some of the scriptures on the authority of Christ. <clears throat> we all understand authority. Listen, if you get pulled over driving too fast and you see those red and blue lights, what do you do? Hopefully you don't run. You pull over. Why? Because the person with the red and blue lights has authority. Where did that authority come from? Ultimately from the laws of the land, right? Ultimately because the law says that the police has the authority to pull someone over. But church, Jesus is saying this in the Sermon on the Mount, that he has authority because of who he is. Jesus is not saying that I have authority simply because the law of the land tells me that. He has authority because he is the son of the living God. He has authority because he's part of the Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we think about the authority of Christ, we can say it this way. That Jesus has supremacy over all. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines supreme as the highest in ranking or authority. Highest in degree of quality. So, the supremacy of Christ is a doctrine surrounding the authority of Jesus and his God nature. In simplest terms, to affirm the supremacy of Christ is to affirm that Jesus is Lord. To affirm that he is God. Now, Colossians and Hebrews both speak of the authority of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23, is one of the greatest passages speaking of the supremacy or the authority that Christ has. It says this, 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present to you before, present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moving away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Church, when we look at this passage, I know that it was quite a few verses, seven or eight there. But in Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 23, we see that he is supreme in his identity. He has our authority because of who he is. It says there in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. This is what Jesus spoke in John 14. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus has authority. He's supreme over all things because of who he is in his identity. Second, it says in Colossians 1 that he is supreme in all creation. He's the firstborn of creation. And that understanding is not saying that he was born. It doesn't mean that because right after that it says that he created all things. But this idea of firstborn of creation is saying that Jesus, um, it's the birth order showing that he is first in all things. The scripture says that he's supreme in creation. He has authority over all creation because he has created all things, created through him and for him. You want to see Jesus' authority over creation? Just go to the Sea of Galilee. Jesus walked on water. You want to see Jesus' authority over creation? Go back to the Sea of Galilee where he said to the storm, be still. You want to see Jesus' authority over creation? Thank you so much. You want to see Jesus' authority over creation? Just go to all the miracles that took place throughout the Word of God that shows that when Jesus spoke, creation had to obey. Listen, God spoke and the the Red Sea had to split in two. God spoke and, and the Jordan River had to split in two. And that happened twice, right? The nation of Israel crossing over and also when Elijah and Elijah went across the Jordan River. And I guess it happened three times because didn't he come back across the Jordan River? Church, we must recognize that Colossians tells us and we see all throughout the word of God that Jesus has authority over all creation for he created all things. They were created for him and uh, for him and through him. Not only that, but Jesus has uh, supremacy or authority 
because of, as I said earlier, his identity. He is before all things. He holds all things together. Church, he has authority over his church. As Colossians says, he is the head of the body, the church. And then we see at the end of Colossians 1, verses 20 through 23, is that he has authority over salvation. Church, it says that we are reconciled through him. He is the firstborn um, raised from the dead. He is the first to be born from, raised from the dead. Church, we must recognize that he has all authority over creation. He has all authority over his church. He has all authority over salvation. That's the reason why he could say that the only way to the Father is through him. Because he has supreme authority. Now the question is, what will you do? Will you truly believe that Jesus has all authority? Because if you do, it will change how you look at his word. If you truly believe that he has all authority, then you will not question, hey God, I think you're wrong here. I think that when you wrote this in the Old Testament, you you must have, something was wrong. When you come to an understanding and a true belief that Jesus has all authority, you will hold the Sermon on the Mount in your heart, living it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not say, hey, these are just simply words or these are good ideas. No, you will say the one who has ultimate authority over all spoke these. And so I am going to live according to them. Let's look at how some people responded to Jesus' authority. First, we see the Pharisees in Matthew 21, verse 23 through 27. In this passage, they ask, what, By what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus then gives them a question back. I love how Jesus always does that, right? He gives them a question back. He said, By what authority did John the Baptist baptize? Was it by man or by heaven? And they said, well, we can't answer that because they were afraid of how they answered it. And so Jesus then said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. See, and even in Matthew 12, the Pharisees accused Jesus of using Satan's authority to cast out demons. See, the Pharisees questioned Jesus' authority, ultimately challenging his claim of being the son of God. Let me just say that again. The Pharisees questioned Jesus' authority, ultimately challenging his claim of being the son of God. And then we have Pilate. How does Pilate respond to Jesus' authority in John 19, verse 8 through 12? Pilate says, and I'm going to read this in verse 8 through 12. It says, therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid, and he entered into uh, the petroleum again and said to Jesus, we are, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you? Pilate says, Do you not realize because of my position I have authority over you? Do you not realize because of who I am I have authority over you. And Jesus says, You would have no authority over me unless it has been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result, Pilate made efforts to release him. 
Listen, Pilate thought that he had authority over Jesus because of his position. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, or he would have recognized that the only reason that he had authority in this moment was because God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, granted him that authority in this moment. Church, when we have authority in this world, when, when, when we're placed in a place of authority, we, do we recognize that we're only in that place because God has placed us there? Church, Pilate didn't recognize that and even sent him off to be crucified, saying that, hey, do you not realize I have authority over you because of who I am? Church, do we not often see people in this world who think that they have authority over their own life? They're like, hey, I got this. I got it made. I'm good. I'm not worried about life eternal. I'm not worried about what's going to happen. I'm a self-made person. Church, they will come to find out one day that Jesus truly is the supreme authority. What about the 72? Jesus gives them authority and sends them out like, like sheep amongst wolves. And he tells them, he says, hey, go and share the gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so beseech the Lord of the harvest to send workers. And so they go out and they go. And he says, listen, if somebody doesn't welcome you to shake off your sandals and go on, right? And then if they do, then, then give them a blessing, But then the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Church, the 72, they believed in the authority of Christ, but their focus was more on the doing than the being. Their focus was more on, look at what we are able to do in the name of Jesus, rather than saying, look at who I am in Christ Jesus. Church, we can easily find ourselves on this side over here. We can easily find ourselves more focused on the doing and forgetting that the only reason that we're able to do in the name of Christ is because of who we are in Christ Jesus. But then there was one more person that confronted the authority of Christ. And it was actually in Matthew 8, which is the next chapter over from the Sermon on the Mount. And it was the centurion. And look at how the centurion responded to Jesus' authority. It says this in Matthew 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to, my, and to my slave, do this. And he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Church, think about this. The centurion said, I believe 
and recognize that you have all authority. I believe and trust that you truly are the authority because of who you are. Just say the word and they'll be healed. The scripture says that Jesus said that go and and you will find that the person was healed. The centurion went home and when they found the, the servant was healed. And he found out that it was at that very moment that Jesus had spoken that the servant was healed. Church, we see that the people were amazed at the teaching of Jesus and how he spoke with authority. But the question today is, do you truly believe that Jesus has all authority because he is the Son of God? Your belief, as I said earlier, will show in how you handle God's word. If you hear the words of Jesus and do not follow them, then you are ultimately saying that you have the authority over your own life. But if you hear the words of Jesus and follow them, then you are saying that you believe that he is the son of God and the authority in which he speaks is because of who he is. Church, I can show you many, many, many more passages of the authority of Jesus. But the question is, is do you believe that Jesus has all authority? Paul even prays in Ephesians chapter 1 that you would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe. And then he says that it's demonstrated in the fact that Jesus is above all authority that even the authorities will be under the foot of Jesus. Church, when we recognize that Jesus, that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have all authority, we don't walk through this life fearful of what man can do to us. But we walk through this life as one who is in Christ Jesus, who's been transformed by the blood of the Lamb, and recognizing that Jesus has the final say in everything that happens in my life. Church, it changes everything when you truly believe that Jesus is the ultimate authority because of who he is, the creator God, the head of the church. Do you truly believe? As we close today, I want to take you to one more passage about Jesus' authority. And it's in Matthew 28. Because I said to you, if you truly believe in the authority of Christ, not just simply amazed at the teaching, not just simply amazed that he's speaking as one with authority, but truly believing and following his words, then you're going to do as the scripture speaks. One of the last things that Jesus spoke before he ascended after, after he had died, was buried, three days later rose again, he said these words. All authority has been given to me, not just in earth, but heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, or go therefore. Remember, when the therefore is there, you say, what's the therefore, therefore, right? So he's saying, because all authority has been given to me, go. He's saying, because I am Lord over all, 
Because I am the one who created all things through me and for me. Because I'm the head of the church. Because there is nothing greater than who I am. Go and make disciples. Go share the gospel. Go take the word of the Sermon on the Mount to the world. Go share with people that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Share with people, blessed are the, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How are we comforted from the sin that we mourn over? By the blood of Jesus that set us free. Church, the scripture says, because Jesus has all authority, we're called to go and to share the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says that he will be with us. That authority, Jesus Christ, he's with us. And how? By the power of the Holy Spirit who has come to dwell within us. Church, when we truly believe that Jesus has all authority, it changes everything in our life. And so as we close the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to be amazed at Jesus' teaching. And I want you to say, man, he spoke as one with authority. But at the end of the day, the question is, do you truly believe that he has all authority? And if you do, it will change how you read this. It will change how you live your life. Because you will be filled by the Holy Spirit of promise. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of the words of Christ. And you will live that out accordingly. Church, I pray today that we would take this very serious in asking the question, do I truly believe that Jesus has all authority? That no matter what I walk through in life, I'm going to run to the one who's over all, who is supreme, who has authority over all things.